You're listening to Scoreline Extra, the podcast that brings you some of the best highlights and interviews from eight hours of sports coverage every weekend on KCLR. You can catch the live show every Saturday and Sunday from 2pm. This week, the big news has been all about the GAA, the LGFA and Camogie Association as we heard that Gaelic games are unlikely to return to training or competitive action until Easter at the earliest. And while those games are suspended, the League of Ireland and Women's National League have gotten the green light to go ahead in March. So we speak with Kilkenny's Karen Duggan and also Luke Hardy, formerly of IT Carlo, who's recently departed the college after 11 years involved in their soccer course setup to join the FAI. First, though, we're hearing from Carlo senior football manager Niall Carew as he joined Shane O'Keefe on Scoreline. Niall, big massive news that has uh, come out in the past few days that just broke in a statement released by the GEA on Wednesday. Um, the Director General made it clear that there'll be no return to action for the GEA, the LGFA or the Camogie Association players, including inter-county players for the foreseeable future. How big of a, a blow is that? Ah, look, it's very disappointing. I mean, uh, before Christmas uh, we were elite players and um, now all of a sudden we're not. Um, so that's very disappointing and that the GA don't seem to have an appetite uh, to get his back playing. Um, and I suppose, look, for me, uh, it's very disrespectful to the players um, that put in such an effort and the are elite athletes. And that shouldn't have changed for me anyway. Uh, but obviously, the powers to be uh, didn't put up a massive fight for our lads to get back playing. And that's every GA player um, in the country. And um, I suppose the, the, the knock-on effect uh, to me, on that is that uh, other sports are, are just going to get ahead of us again. You know, you're stopping the rugby, and we all love every sport, but we want to keep the GA right up there. And I suppose it's a smack in the face to say all of a sudden we're not elite, you know. We were listening to Owen Larkin talk on the Clash Act podcast there the other day and he was describing his time in the Kilkenny inter-county setup and how everything revolved around being an inter-county player and you're professional in nearly everything but name. Um, considering this, like, and considering the strenuous strain that the athletes put themselves under, the classification as elite sport... Is, is is such a blow and it, it does seem like a smack in the face to, to all the players Absolutely like every inter-county player in the country uh, in both codes uh, and the same with with the ladies in, 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 in the Camogie and Gaelic football as well they're all putting in massive shifts um, waiting and anticipating you know games to come through and the National League to start and, and so are supporters because it's who we are as people, as GA people, you know, it's, it's it's what we live for. And in fairness, we adhere, you know, I, I thought the guidelines, the GA, we did a great job, every county did a great job in adhering to all the guidelines, and there was no outbreaks. And not saying that you can guarantee that there'll be no outbreaks, of course we can't. But I think, um, you know, it is a smack in the face for every inter-county player, both men and women, uh, that all of a sudden they're not called the lease anymore. And uh, for me, it is a smack in the face, you know. And on the other side of things then, you mentioned the soccer and the League of Ireland has been a pretty big point of contention and there's been sentiment shared online in almost like a slagging of the people involved in GEA, which can be hard to see. Not from everyone, but there certainly has been people involved in the League of Ireland or who follow the League of Ireland kind of almost slagging off the GEA, which can be hard to see. Yeah, well, like, I mean, the League of Ireland and the best of luck to them, I, I, you know, I... Uh, I'm delighted they're going forward, but we should be as well. I mean, they're not going into bubbles and staying in the hotels overnight um, or for two or three weeks at a time. So it is a little bit frustrating, but that's uh, that's out of our control. It's up to our own body to fight for us and to make sure that we get back. And look, for me, there could be another hidden agenda. I'm not sure. Is it finance for the GAA? What is it? I mean, it's come out and said, look, we can't afford to go back. But that sound. Tell us that. Uh, but just not to fight her corner is, is, is a little bit disappointing, you know. When you consider the, the, the kind of work that goes into getting started back up, like January 15th was the was the original date that was touted for, for players to return. And obviously players aren't a, aren't a machine. You can't just turn them on and off in, in terms of getting ready for such a big task ahead of them. There's obviously work that goes in before even pre-season starts. Uh, 
talking to your players what's it been like kind of preparing for something that doesn't go ahead then it's ambiguous and then it's pushed even further away like how do players continue to keep up a level of of, of fitness so they're prepared to return for pre-season and have you been interacting with your players oh yeah we've been interacting look I suppose the big thing you know we're no different than the other county um, you know we've an excellent S&C uh, coach and, and Kieran and Kieran is keeping tabs on all the lads in, in their in terms of what work they're doing and the workload. But it is frustrating because you do need a target and the target would have been the National League in the first week of March and that was removed. But then we thought we'd be back on pitch sessions in the first week of March and now that seems to be that has the goalpost has moved in that as well. So look players are a little bit frustrated but players do like a structure and it's our job to keep the keep the structure going, you know. Uh, but you're right, Shane. You can, you can turn on and off a player like that. Uh, they are only human, uh, so we have to go back to the drawing board again, and uh, maybe have a, a download week or you not know, to talk to the strength and condition team and that to see what's best for the players. But players will know their own bodies better than anyone. Um, so look, there's a good link between the whole office there, and we'll make sure that we, we keep them good and fresh. But it is very frustrating. Yeah, you, you mentioned the finance there as well, and counties have already said they'll lose a lot of money if, said, the Alliance Leagues went ahead as they have no income income from supporters. And then, on top of that, then to squeeze a league and a championship and a club championship into a year is, 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 that has been quite you know, congested is, uh, is a tall order, is it not? Well, look, it is, but the bottom line, I mean, the finance is always a problem for, for every sporting body, you know, but I think in the long run and long term we could lose more uh, by other players going playing rugby and soccer uh, because we don't have our Gaelic games. We, you know, we had the door closed and everyone, and and that's a big problem. And that could end up being a bigger problem down the line for finance. Um, look, we we should come up with different ways to get fundraising going, and and that's something we're going to start and in, in the cup in a couple of weeks' time uh, to try and get money in uh, some way with players driving it on. You know. So that's something that we're going to talk to the county board. Uh, I was already talking to Jim Bulger and that, and he's um, in fairness in favour of driving the whole thing in, the whole thing on, and getting money in for for all our teams in Carlow, uh, in both football and hurling. So that's going to be a driving force for us, and uh, it's something that we're going to have to do in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I think the finance Crow Park, I don't think are too badly off, um, and uh, if they are badly off, it's up to the the bodies in Crow Park um, to put pressure on the government to fund us because we are a big part of the heritage of, of the country, the GAs, you know. And uh, I just think, I, I just feel, Shane, that we could, we could go back a few steps here if we don't get our games up and running, you know. And, like, the original plan was for the inter-county activity to be, to finish by July and then freeing up the schedule for clubs. But on the other side of things, in Carlo in particular, they still have to finish the 2020 Senior Football Championship, which is stuck at the semi-final stage, you know. Um, that, that unfortunately got called off um, due to lockdown restrictions. So where does that leave the 2020 Final Senior Championship? Yeah, that's that's going to be a debate for, for uh, clubs that are left in them competitions. Um, I know, I, I, I couldn't see a, a major appetite for the senior competition, um, but definitely if you're intermediate, and you want to get up playing senior or junior, wants to get up intermediate, to be a massive appetite for that. Um, so I, it would be very hard to run off a senior championship in the 2021, and then you win it one week and you're back out the next week playing another one, you know. Now, look, that would be something for the clubs to decide themselves. I could be completely wrong. That's only my own opinion. Um, but, yeah, if they want to get it played, that should be allowed and it should be played. Uh, but I'd say that would be down to the four teams that are left in that senior championship. Uh, but yeah, look, it is. I suppose it is a pandemic, and uh, but at the same time, uh, we still want our games back and played. Like you know, if if, if League of Ireland soccer is back and rugby is back, as we all see it, and you know, why why are we not back? And uh, I just think to take that elitism away from us is uh, it, it, it's just not good, you know. And uh, considering. Like I suppose a positive for some people on on this is the club before county thing. Um, you know the club championships may be run off uh, quite similar to last year, and it may provide a chance for lads to stake a claim to get into an inter county setup. 
Yeah, I know, absolutely. There, there's always positives. And, you know, we can take positives from everything that we do. Um, I, I just think for, for club players now, um, they had their hearts and their heads set on the championship for the summer. So uh, just to throw them back into, you know, right side your back in seven or eight weeks' time wouldn't be nice for them either. Whereas the county players are all back training um, and they know exactly where they're at, well, where they were supposed to be at. So uh, for me, I would like the county season to go ahead first and then give the club a good run ahead after that. I think mixing the match in it again is not ideal. But look, I, I won't. My half vote won't count in that chain anyway. <laughs> the, is the ambiguity surrounding the whole thing? It, it obviously is frustrating. Um, but from a managerial point of view, your season was severely impacted last season due to the pandemic. You're coming in now to your second season in charge of Carlo football, and once again, it's severely impacted as well. Um, like you. I, I don't know what way this works and you're obviously not going to feel sorry for yourself or anything like that but uh, getting getting in charge of the Carlo team you haven't had the most ideal run of things to say the least No but uh, look very lucky to get them a couple of games before Christmas and a few challenge games as well uh, the league match against Ligo and the championship against Offaly and we got a good few training sessions in and we, and we did probably cram an awful lot of stuff into the lads um, in terms of what way we want to play um, you know, offensively and defensively. So, and it was quite different than what they're used to. So, uh, I suppose I have a good handle on the players. I think I have. You know, you have a massive handle on players when you play a championship game and you play a national league game. You know where you're at. Sometimes challenge games can be deceiving. Um, so, I, I, I think I'm lucky enough, uh, and the management team with me, we're lucky enough that, um, you know, we, we know who we have and what we're capable of. And, Look, I'm very lucky that these Carlo players uh, are so hungry um, for this thing to start straight away. And I suppose that's why I'm disappointed, Shane, that it's not happening sooner rather than later. And uh, communication in with them obviously has been uh, been very open and there's obviously different uh, fitness regimens that are, are, are going into play and you're receiving a response from the players. So even though they can't be turned on and off like a machine, they're, they should be ready whenever the call comes, I'd imagine. Absolutely, yeah. Now, the pitch sessions, uh, you know, in terms of the physical contact and that, you should be ready for that, but you would need a couple of weeks, at least four to six weeks, to get players back into the physical end of it, uh, especially with the contact and things like that. You need a couple of challenge games just to get them right up to the temperature and make sure they don't get injured and things like that. So, uh, yeah, look, our, our lads, like most inter-county players, um, are really buying into everything. We have a... I think our group is... It's a, it could end up in a really special group. Uh, we have a good mixture of experience and, and youth coming through there as well. Uh, and we're all very excited about getting the National League up and running. And, and you know, we do feel confident that we can make big strides in the next couple of years. Well, we're looking forward to following the journey, Niall. And uh, look, thanks very much for taking the call. And I know you have a special birthday as well uh, this weekend. So, you know, you're, you're probably flat out and busy uh, trying to organise for that also. Yeah, I look at family birthday at the weekend, so it's great, yeah, and it's something to look forward to. We'll be having a cake, if nothing else, so <laughs> that's it anyway, Shane. Well, enjoy, Niall. Thanks very much for taking the call. No bother, Shane. Come then. While Megan Farrell has been named the new senior camogie captain for Kilkenny's 2021 season, it was Aoife Lanigan, the county's camogie PRO, who joined Scoreline next. It's uh, Kilkenny Camogie's Aoife Lanigan who has been named the Camogie Association's PRO of the Year. The award was one of three of the association's Mick Dunn Memorial Awards, recognising the vast amount of work done by Aoife in the role of the 2020 All-Ireland Senior Camogie Champions. And joining me on the line now is Aoife. Aoife, thanks very much for joining us here on Scoreline. Hello Shane, how are you? I'm not too bad. Um, I suppose it's been two weeks removed now since you were named the uh, PRO of the year. It's really a testament to the work that you've put in in promoting Camogie and Kilkenny over the last year, is it not? Uh, it is, yeah. And, yeah um, I was delighted to get the email that morning, the Tuesday, 2nd of February, to say that I had won us um, to promote um, in a strange year that we had in 2020 with COVID when we thought last March um, 2020, we didn't actually think we were going to even have any games. Say less coming home on the 12th of December was a uh, the O'Duffy Cup. Um, 
as part of our package, but we're not losing to bringing it home with her, but we still be coming home with, as all Ireland champions. This was great. Did you find then, because you kind of touched upon it there, um, considering the year that we had, there was almost like an increased pressure due to the pandemic, because the main source of information, people who wanted to get their Kilkenny Camogie news would have come from social media platforms due to not being able to literally be at the games. Um, did you find a bit more pressure, or did you find that they, you kind of came into your own with the role? Obviously you did with the award, but did you find that it was maybe almost... it, it, it Because it became a 100% need to get the information out there that it became a bit easier to do? I'd say it was most... It might have been a little bit more pressure, yeah, because you had to get, as you said, because um, do more promoting, doing more, letting people know where matches, when matches were on, doing promoting of more um, media, as you said, with... Uh, do no posters, letting people know when the matches are on because there wasn't going to be anybody in attendance to matches because when really got down to when there was club games or there was the inter-county games there wasn't um, people allowed to go to the matches so we had to kind of promote more and let people know and then doing this live streaming and then as well and being it on television you had to promote, promote it more as well being on radio you had to do a lot more promoting yeah it had to be on your on your game. Uh, does the interest increase as, uh, say, the inter-county team does does a lot better as they progress through the All-Ireland series and, of course, eventually going on to the O'Duffy Cup? Do you find that the, the website or the social media channels are increasing in the amount of hits that it's getting as the team are progressing? Is it, it does, yeah. Like a lot of it, I'd say, was there was more people interested in probably last year when we had beat Cork. I say an awful lot of more hits were were involved. Like we got over one of our big nemesis. Like Cork had beaten us in seventeen and eighteen, and then Galway in nineteen. But like beating Cork in the semi final down in, in their own backyard in Pocket Creeve, I think that was a lot of people said, right, we've one nemesis over, we've got that get down and there was an awful lot more hits and more people interested and wondering how could they like then the schools and the clubs and the showing the interest of, of uh, supporting um, the players and wishing them best of luck and getting involved even with the, with the television when RT wanted to do um, come out to the schools to see the black and amber that uh, a lot of schools were interested and wanting to be on the television and, and giving their support to the players so yeah from the time that we beat Cork to the All-Ireland, yeah, there was a, a lot more interest in, in getting us to show their interest in, this, in the game. With, with the advent of social media then, um, has the role of PRO changed over the years? Because it is so critical to sports, sporting organisations in particular, considering the vast amount of uh, potential consumers of the sport are all on social media. So the role has obviously changed. But what exactly is, in, is entailed in the role? Being PRO, as a lot of people wonder what PRO stands for, like it's public relations officer. So you basically, like the game is on, like you're talking about, you need to um, promote it. You need to, like, say with the Alliance and Friends, friends say when the date is on, what, what time it's on, what is it on social media, or is it being streamed on social media, is it live on, on the television, which is fantastic over the last few, five, four or five years that quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals are now being shown. It used to always only be either semifinal or final or you go back 20 plus years ago, we actually weren't even been on television. So promoting of ladies sports and especially Camogie has been great with social media as well and especially with the year we had with the live streaming between the Camogie Association, um, Liberty Insurance who sponsors the All-Ireland Series or then ourselves, um, Kenny Camogie doing live streaming and other clubs and counties doing it as well. So promotion has been big. And with the, with the promotion comes trying to come up with new innovative ways of of making the players a bit more accessible and I've seen that you're, there's a really positive series that you've released on social media of how inter-county senior players are coping with the lockdown is it stuff like that during the lull period as you would say in the year just crucial in keeping people's mind on the sports in whatever capacity or is it a case of needs must considering the information that came out in regards to the LGFA Camogie and GEA in the past week well, the thing is, like, you, you look at, as a lot of people say, there's too much emphasis on COVID since we started with our first case here in Ireland on the 29th of February last year. There is a lot of us that um, people's mental health has been affected and how to keep people motivated and up that they're not just thinking of COVID the whole time. So, yeah, like, you, you've seen uh, Michelle, Michelle Teen or um, Edwina Keane have been on, Claire Phelan have been on, uh, helping people or advising people what suggesting what is the best thing to do to keep your mental health right 
Mental health is a very big issue. Um, nothing even to do, even with COVID. A lot of people's mental health is like people living on their own, not able to get out. But yeah, it's great to see that the girls, even seeing the hurlers, even doing it now as well, even knowing Murphy the other day doing it. So it, it, it's to get mental health. And even then, earlier on last year, we were getting the, the players to um, do different kind of skills hitting the ball off the wall, hitting it up in the air, Grace, while she was doing it lately again, like I even listened again last year's captain. A lot of them is just to get skills, get even youngsters into it because homeschooling now, I know this is midterm at the moment for, for, for parents. So like to know what is the best way to keep the kids now down from school, what to do for the next week or whenever, even if they're back, back to school shortly within the next two, three months to get them and get their mental health right. Yeah, because people kind of seem to forget with uh, inter-county responsibilities comes a responsibility to the community as well and helping promote the sport as well. So it's really nice to see the the, the players. uh, I think Grace Walsh was very active on Twitter there the other day uh, doing the skills uh, challenge. So it was was fantastic to see. Um, In terms of uh, GEA and Camogie and the LGFA in general, the news came out was incredibly disappointing uh, for a lot of people. So will we be expecting to see a lot more of these uh, kind of series coming along in the next few weeks? Um, I'd say it was. I know the one that um, Grace was doing is a new setup. Like the, the, what is great to see also actually the play, people from even outside of Ireland are getting involved and doing doing these kind of podcasts and whatever. Like I know there was a group from New York the other day was getting on to Grace to do it. So I'd say yes, there will be a lot more because as you said, because games are on the way the three organisations, the GA, the LGFA and ourselves, Camogie Association didn't or can't go back. There's, there will be a lot more podcasts. There's 32 counties you can't do, like people were saying before, like, of the six counties are going to be different than the 26 counties, but they're all, the whole 32 now are, are together that games can't go back. You're going to have different ideas, different ways of getting the players. A lot more players are going to get involved and they might but I'll bring the Harland, the ladies' football, men's football, and Camogie into it to, to do more of these um, courses or, or games. And in the past number of weeks, there's been a, a few different managerial appointments. Um, there's also been a few, or one particular notable retirement, and Dalton. Uh, do they come through the PRO then? Is that the first point of contact before, obviously, they make the decision and then to get that information out there? Is that done through yourself? Um, well, and... Um, retirement would have gone to the, the, the boss of the county board, which would have been Sheila Norris, the chairperson. And then it would have kind of streamed down to the rest of us to put out, if, say, if I wasn't available, to put it out, say, if when she announced I'd been working, so someone else might be able to do it herself, Sheila herself or Martin Quilty would do it. But no, a lot, a lot of, say, with the management, the new management's been announced, yeah, it would have been myself or someone from the county board would have been putting it out to announce who the new management were, yeah. And same with Megan Farrell then when she was named captain. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Uh, how much do you think then the sport has grown? Because when we're seeing these uh, things and news items come out, we know that when we put it up on scoreline.ie, it's it's one of our most read articles throughout that week. Um, and we see, because of the coverage and the year that we had in 2020, despite being curtailed by the pandemic, it was the year to champion women in sport. And we've seen a steady growth of the interest in our website or in our content here on uh, Scoreline. How much does it within the camp how much does it feel that the sport has grown in Kilkenny over the last few years the, the interest level just seemed to reach a new height before last year's All-Ireland semi-final with Cork as you alluded to and of course prior to the final with Galway it has yeah as you, as you, promoting it and to see the youngsters as it like you usually know by say the last few years with Kilkenny getting to the last, like you were in 2016, winning 17, 18, 19, not winning and then winning last year. Usually over the years when you get to an All-Ireland, from between the semi-final and final, you, we have these days, the media days, and then we have the players meeting the youngsters coming in and getting them to sign autographs or even tipping around with them. But like last year, because of the problem with COVID, that we couldn't have that. Like we did have a little small media morning, but we couldn't have the players meeting the youngsters. But you'd know, like, straight away, people were, right, we can't. What can we do to meet the players? Can we put up a video? Can we talk to the players through video? So that was a great initiative then that when the clubs, the schools got on to, got on to us and sent on to the video and, the, and it was played back to the players. So that motivated the players then as well that because, as I said, they weren't able to meet them and they weren't able to sign autographs that the girls 
saw the videos and got back onto the schools and thanked them very much for all the, all the praise and giving the best wishes for, for the All-Ireland. Well, while we're giving out thanks, we just want to thank you for all the tremendous effort that you've put in throughout the year and uh, well deserving of PRO of the year. Thanks for very, being very accessible to us here in uh, KCLR and on Scoreline in particular. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing the when everything gets back up and running. But we're also looking forward to seeing what is coming in the next few weeks ahead of Easter. True, yeah. You don't know. Like, Hopefully they, they do say that if cases do go down very much, like you're, you're looking... Today is the, the um, Valentine's Day, the 14th of February. We do have a month and a half to kind of get everything right, get the cases down before the 5th of April for Easter Monday. So you could have a different scenario by come this time month that the might gives back. But you're looking at if they do say that games are going to be back, you want to have at least a month to get people back because if they say, right, you're back on the, say, 14th of March, games won't be really able to really start really until you could say nearly the 14th of April anyway because you're, you can't really say right you only get two training sessions in that's not going to be much especially when it's new new groups starting like I'm part of under 16 management this year and we haven't met the players yet we had a meeting the other night and we had 100 plus players interested in playing under 16 so like when you see as you're saying like how are we getting the interest in it's fantastic to see under 16 that much interest in interested as, as 100 plus players like we had them on the teams meeting the other night with all management and their parents as well so it's great to see that age group and uh, we don't know when we'll get back like it's great to, to see that much interest in us so hopefully within the next few weeks we'll, we'll get a, a proper like toll when we'll be back because if you look at we were elite last year how aren't we elite this year yeah, that's that's the big question that's came out. It came out when we were uh, when I was chatting off air to On Larkin, and when I was talking to the Carlos Senior Football Manager Niall Carew yesterday as well. That that's the sentiment that's been shared: is why aren't we elite anymore? And it's it's a quite an unfortunate scenario. But uh, thanks for being so open and honest with us, Aoife, and we're looking forward to catching up with you again and following your journey, of course, with the under 16s and Seamus Kelly and our own agent Ronnie Ronan as well. Yes. Okay, Jen. Thanks very much. That's Eva Lanigan, PRO of the Year for Kilkenny Camogie. While the GAA's exemption from Level 5 restrictions has lapsed and games won't get underway for another month or two yet, at least, the opposite is true for the League of Ireland and Women's National League, with teams and players operating in the professional realm and games being allowed to continue under the Elite Sports banner. This weekend, we were taking a look at the WNL for 2021, and who better to shed a light on the subject than domestic double winner from last season, Kilkenny native and Piemont's Karen Duggan. I'm going to talk to somebody now that has won everything in regards to the domestic league, the cup double and player of the year. I'm joyed to be joined on the line right now by Kilkenny native Karen Duggan. Karen, thanks very much for joining us here on Scoreline. No problem at all, Shay. Uh, considering the, the news that is after coming out in the, in the past week that the Women's National League is set to go ahead next month, 27th of March, how pleased is everybody involved in Piemont and I'm sure in the league altogether? Yeah, everyone's delighted. Um, it's like it was obviously a bit unsure. We were really lucky that we got to play it out um, last year. It was in a different format, um, but this year we've reverted back to to the usual, playing each other three times. So it's an ambitious schedule, given everything that's going on. But it, it's very positive for everyone involved in the league, and it's good that we kind of have that link up with the men's league now as well sponsored by the same um, people, SSE, Airtricity, so um, it's it's good exposure and I think everyone's looking forward to having sport back on. And the, the government have promised alongside 3.2 million uh, from the FAI to make the, the, the league kickstart as planned. Is that funding also being going towards the WNL and if so, how important is it for the funding to be in place to make sure that the league can go ahead considering the financial constraints on clubs uh, due to obviously no gate receipts or anything? Yeah, I'm not sure about the logistics in terms of how they're sharing out that money. Um, obviously, in the Women's National League, we're different in that we're an amateur setup, so it's different to the Men's League where those gate receipts and everything, they're, they're feeding into people's wages. So it's a lot. It's very important for them to have that support and that backing from the government. We're kind of always kind of self-sustained and, and have been for as long as I can remember. And it's, it's looking like it's going to continue that way. But any little bit of support that we're going to get from the government is only going to help grow the league. And obviously... Uh, 
in the long term, the plan is to get the league even to a semi-professional state. Looking at what Scotland have done, they've done something similar. Um, they have a few full-time professional teams and a few that are semi-pro now. So I think long term, we'll be looking for the support from the government. But having that link up with the League of Ireland is going to grow kind of the stature of the league. And hopefully then that's one step in the right direction towards that uh, semi-professional state. And speaking of a team going in the right direction, obviously what a year Piedmont had last season. Yourself then personally uh, get, getting player of the year and then uh, completing the double uh, last year in in the league and the cup. Has pre-season now started for you already or when can you get back to pre-season so you can kind of recreate the, the, the same success as last year? Yeah, we'd be doing well to recreate that success. It was obviously a brilliant year for us. We It took us a long time to get our hands on that um, FAI Cup, so we were delighted that we could add that to, to the league, which is always a really, really hard one to win. Um, yeah, we are back in pre-season. We had the, the pleasure of fitness testing there on Tuesday, so we're back in full flow now. Um, well, maybe not full flow, the touch is still a bit out. Um, it's a shorter break than usual, because obviously we, we went into December last year. Usually we finish up in November, but like I said, because everyone's kind of been stuck in and everyone's chomping at the bit to get back and I'm sure it's the same across all of the teams in the Women's National League. Is there a different element now to train? Obviously, you're you're just started, so fitness is, is paramount, but the the likes of uh, non-contact or anything like that, has that come into play or is it or is it full kind of steam ahead? Um, well, yeah, well, there's different restrictions when we're arriving to training, obviously restrictions around using dressing rooms. We're not using kind of the facilities that are there, but we're allowed to train as normal and we kind of got used to those other restrictions um, last season so everyone's well-versed and we have a COVID officer there every day and she's checking our temperature and we all have to kind of do that ourselves at home and obviously if anyone has any symptoms they're there to stay away but no, we're back, um, we're back training as normal, thankfully. And you mentioned the quick turnaround time frame then that was involved uh, between the ending of the last league and the starting of this league. Even though that time frame, you know, falls around Christmas, is there still a sense of uh, fitness still being maintained, obviously, but do you still kind of have a, a either, I don't know, a, a bit of fatigue from the end of last season or is it the fitness kind of still at the same levels as when you ended last season? Well, personally, mine didn't feel like they did at the end of last season on Tuesday, to be honest. I know it's hard. You're always going to lose a little bit of it. And maybe it is a bit of fatigue as well because of the format of the league last year. We obviously had the Champions League um, in the middle of that as well. But towards the end of the last season, it was split into top and bottom. So every team, every weekend we were playing a match and it was um, a really, really high level, really high intensity. So we definitely needed that rest. Um, I, I think it'll remain to be seen when we get out and actually start playing friendlies or start playing um, matches in the league uh, how the long how lo- if this break was long or short enough um, but I think obviously everyone's really really happy to be back there's been a good bit of movement across players in the league as well this year so I think that there'll be a few different teams come to the fore and it'll be definitely an interesting year for the Women's National League. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask you because like P-Mount are, are, are at the top, say, and uh, Wexford Utes are, are, are chomping on the bit. But then some of the other clubs, we know from a Kilkenny perspective, Kilkenny United found it very hard when they got brought into the league and trying to compete against the teams like P-Mount. And we know that Carlo Kilkenny are, are doing great things at a youth level, hoping to get to and progress into a senior women's national team. Mm-hmm. Um, what can teams do then to, to close that gap? Because it seems like P-Mount and, of course, Wexford Utes, as we mentioned, who have another Kilkenny stalwart on their team in Ellen Malloy. Uh, what, what can other teams do to, to close that gap? Well, I think it's important when you said there, the fact that Carlo Kilkenny have that underage team now. Um, P-Mount have always had a very good feeder system in their underage teams and that kind of fed into their senior success. So I think something like that is, is how you grow a club. It is from the ground up as, as basic as that sounds, having that underage structure right. Um, the Women's National League is, is a funny one as well because it is built on reputation, but because it's amateur, um, if girls aren't starting for the likes of P-Mount or Wexford and they do want to play, there's no contractual obligation for them to stay. They can go and they can move to different clubs and um, find a spot there. And the more good players that move to one club, the more chance that they're going to have, I think, um, DLR Wave this year have made some fantastic signings so I think that they're going to be very strong this year and will start to compete with the likes of ourselves and Galway as well they're always very strong but again there's been a bit of movement there so um, you kind of never know but I think like it is kind of 
who you have feeding into you. Wexford obviously have a very good catchment area. They have the link with IT Carlo. Obviously, they have um, a strong FAI soccer course there as well as a GA course. So they had that link that helped them grow. A lot of those students played on that team and have, have gone on to become professionals. So having a link with the university or having a really strong underage structure is, is very, very important. Piedmont luckily have that because of their reputation and because of what they've done at grassroots. But anything any external links you can have like that with your your schools, your catchment area, your development squad, um, that's definitely going to help grow a team. And uh, obviously then the last time we spoke was before the Champions League game against Glasgow City mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately P-Mount went out in that and we're talking about bridging the gap to P-Mount. Is there a way to bridge the gap to these European sites? Um, it's always going to be difficult because... Um, we are amateur and our best players are starting to kind of uh, move abroad and it's great that they have that opportunity. One of our best players in the last season, Neve Farley, has since joined Glasgow City and it's a fantastic move for her and we wish her all the best. But it is going to be hard to bridge that gap while we are at an amateur status. Obviously the clubs are training as professionally as they can but when it comes down to it and we get to those later stages maybe of the Champions League and you're looking at competing with the likes of Glasgow City, it's very hard to do that when you are um, part-time or and training a lot less than, than these girls who are training full-time and maybe not working their 9 to 5 they're, they're not full-time students as well so it, it is it's going to be a long-term plan if we are going to have to to bridge that gap and start competing um, obviously we're going back to the Champions League this year we're going to go there and try and better what we did last year we came very close to knocking out a professional team we'll get a lot of confidence from that um, but to sustain that would, would be very difficult. So it, it is a, another long-term plan and we do have to look at investment and, and development from the ground up in order to achieve something like that. And is it encouraging then, I know that 2020 was was seriously curtailed and it was uh, meant to be the year to champion women in sport and you mm-hmm. can't see, you can't be, and obviously then with the pandemic that came in, but is there still some positives in any type of reception that the, the women's sports in general received despite the year the way it turned out yeah I think the fact that um, clubs really stepped up in terms of streaming their games and getting things on Facebook live and and putting things on their YouTube channels I think that there's more of an online presence with clubs now and it's easier for people to interact with with clubs and having that online presence will automatically generate more interest and hopefully when things open up we'll start to see more of these people who were watching online come out to to see the games live and I think everyone will be looking forward to watching some live sport when they can so um, I think that there is it, there is plenty of interest there. The viewership and the numbers that we're looking at the international games were very much on the rise before we got hit with the pandemic, um, particularly that Ukraine game up in Tala um, just before the, the pandemic hit. That was one of the record crowds that there was at an international women's game. And it's grown across all of the sports. Um, obviously, ladies Gaelic football leading the way on that one. But I think that the online uh, presence is really, really important. I hope that we continue to grow that and hopefully then that will translate to kind of bums on seats when it comes to games. Yeah, I've been following uh, Louise Quinn's uh, journey over in Fiorentina, and it's just tr- purely kind of through social media channels and, and different clubs been very active in regards to the exploits of certain Irish players uh, at home and abroad, and it's great to see. Uh, you mentioned the international setup, and it was something that you retired from in... 2018. Now, considering the year that you had last season where you won Player of the Year, do you think those two things kind of coincide at all? Um, I don't know, maybe. I think that I was just so uh, excited to be back playing soccer last year that um, we were giving it our all. It was also to do with the panel that we had at, at PMET last year. It was so competitive, all of the training sessions. Like You were really playing for your place at every training and every match you got to play in. Obviously, we wanted to win everything that we could win, um, and we managed to do that, and we were really, really happy with that. I don't know, maybe there was a little bit less pressure on on me having to perform in those games because I was flanked by such a good squad and also didn't have the pressure of wanting to get picked for an international team. Um, But I can't really say if they've coincided. (laughs) I'm I'm just uh, happy with how it turned out. Yeah, and uh, like uh, speaking on top of that, then you you, you have... The, the job aspect of it as well when you're you're mm-hmm. working your nine to five as well and you're juggling that thing and then having the the 
the heaviness of a, an Irish badge on your chest as well kind of can can, can be a bit uh, daunting of a task but you know you've represented Ireland fantastically you've represented Kilkenny and your club Piedmont fantastically and um, I'm looking forward to seeing how the season turns out for you who's up first for Piedmont then? Uh, the hardest one we possibly could have gotten, I'd say, yeah, Westford away. So um, that that was the one we slipped up on last year. We'll be hoping not to kind of start on the on the same foot that we did um, down there. We made up for it in the cup um, semi final, uh, managing to beat them. But it's always such a really really hard task. They're such a well drilled team, and um, they always have been. I'm sure that they they'll be missing having their hands on that trophy the last couple of years, and they'll be out to get us, no doubt. Well, Karen, we're looking forward to following along. Thanks very much for taking the time of uh, day from your very busy schedule. But we appreciate you getting to speak to us here at KCLR, filling us in on all things P-Mount and the Women's National League. Thanks very much. Thanks. Lastly, for this edition of Scoreline Extra, here's Luke Hardy in conversation with Shane O'Keefe to look at the soccer courses in IT Carlo and his role within the FAI setup. Uh, we're going to keep talking about soccer because joining me on the line now is Luke Hardy. Luke has spent uh, the past 11 years involved with Carlo IT and in particular the soccer department. Uh, it started up in 2009, so since it began. So Luke, thanks very much for joining us here on Scoreline. Thanks, James. Good to be here. Yeah, it's uh, fantastic to be able to talk to you because it's uh, often an avenue overlooked. I know from my brother who who is is fairly decent at football and he wants to kind of have a career in soccer um, but he never really looks at the different side of things that come come across a, a career in soccer we've had cousins that have went over to England and unfortunately it didn't work out for them and then came home and had no real progression in terms of soccer and all they can see is playing the game however there's a lot more avenues to go down and it's great to see that IT Carlo are helping facilitate that to the uh, youths all over Ireland yeah, no, the, the idea of the course was a, a joint initiative between the college uh, and the FBI uh, with that exact goal, to give uh, students uh, an opportunity to p- pursue a career in football, uh, whether that was as a player, as a coach, uh, as an administrator. Uh, other aspects of the course would be things like video analysis. Uh, and the students would also do business modules. So a number of students have, have gone into that side of the, the sport, uh, the business side of sport as well. So it's it's given students a real variety of options that uh, a number of our graduates now are enjoying. And is there many courses like this in Ireland or has Carlo IT been kind of at the forefront of, of bringing this to the people of Ireland? Yes, uh, Carlo is definitely at the forefront. They, they originally launched a rugby course in conjunction with Leinster Rugby uh, and then uh, two years later then they, they launched uh, the soccer course with the FEI and also the GAA course uh, with Limp, the GAA. Um, in the in the, the preceding years, then a number of other colleges have uh, launched similar sort of sports management courses. Uh, but I suppose IT Carlo's unique selling point is their association with the different governing bodies. Um, and across the three sports, you know, there's lots of examples of students who, who have gone on to enjoy good careers and long may it continue. Yeah, I, I noticed, as I've mentioned, uh, friends and family that have went on over to England at a very young age, it has to be said, at 16. You know, you're leaving Ireland and you're leaving your home to go over to England and hopefully make it, and less than 1% actually do end up in the likes of the Premier League. So it's a, it, it's it's great to see that they have an avenue back because a lot of them miss out on a lot of education as well, albeit as a mature student. But people who don't even make the grade and don't get to go to that chance uh, to be able to continue a career in something that they love and are incredibly passionate about is a huge positive. Yeah, no, we would have had a, a number of students who, who would have done that, would have gone over to England with uh, clubs such as Arsenal, Newcastle and Cardiff. They would have then come back to, to Ireland. Many of them wouldn't have done their leaving cert. Um, so in that case, a number of them would have done uh, a CTEC Level 5 course. Um, one popular route is the FEI ETB programme, which is, is a one-year course. Uh, and the, the the guys who've come back from England have, have tended to do that course, and that then allows them to apply for for college then through the CAO system. So, yeah, it is all about trying to integrate these uh, players uh, back into the education system. You know, if, if they've gone over to England and perhaps haven't made the the grade as a professional, um, this gives them a chance to re re enter their their education and potentially you know try and pursue a career in the League of Ireland or Women's National League, uh, and then potentially go on to to make it as professional a bit later on in life. 
And does the the course offer say, I know there's a vast array of different things that people can do, but does the course offer, you know, the FAI uh, route of the kickstart programs and then I, I can see that you can eventually go on and uh, do your, your UEFA licenses, but does the course kind of offer a pathway into those things? Yeah, so the students would do six modules every year. Two of those modules would be sort of sports focused. So the guys do player development, which is them on the pitch and in the gym developing themselves as players uh, and then they also do the coach education module uh, so, so for that the students would carry out the coaching awards in conjunction with the FEI so they would start off in first year on PW1 and 2 uh, in second year progress to the FEI C license and then the students that sort of reach the standard and have also you know have a real interest in in coach education would have the opportunity to do the UEFA B in third year so for some students Leaving at 2021, it's quite a high qualification to, to be leaving with, um, going into, you know, hopefully a career in coaching for many of them. And how did you end up in, in, in this, in, in Carlo IT? How did this the development come to the fore back in 2009? I, I'm sure that you have a career progression that would have involved uh, this back in the, the UK and uh, bringing it over here to Ireland. Um, was, was that a, a big point in your life to, to be able to bring that over to Ireland and uh, bring what you've learned in the UK? Yes, similar to you know some of the players we're talking about, I would have been an apprentice professional at Peter United at uh, 19. I didn't make the grade myself, um, so I decided to go the education route where I would have stu- studied in, in Cardiff Metropolitan University, uh, where I did a degree in sports development and coaching. Um, I then moved to Ireland, where I initially got a job with the FAI as a development officer in Leash and Offaly, so I did that role for three years. Um, and then when I was aware that the course was being talked about, I was really interested in it um, with my background and hopefully being able to help other students. Um, and then in 2009, I was lucky enough when I applied to, to be offered the assistant role initially. And in terms of the, the, the Carlo soccer department, they've been quite successful uh, uh, recently. And uh, a lot of it has come in the likes of uh, winning the Rustlers Cup in 2020, something that we covered here at KCLR, and it was great to be able to see. Um, is it hard for a coach, because you've been involved in the soccer team as well at different levels, but is it hard for a coach to see these athletes coming in and they're learning the trade and while there is an educational thing on it, it's great to see them uh, forward their career, but is it hard coming in when they're playing soccer and they're playing at a certain level to see them go on then after, you know, your three or four what it, years, whatever it may be, to see them go on then and continue their career somewhere else? There must be a bit of kind of sentiment that uh, that is involved with it. Yeah, the one thing about college sport is there's always a big turnover of players. Um, so on an average year, you'd probably be losing uh, about 30% of your, your starting 11, if you'd like. But uh, the other good thing about sport and in, in colleges is there's always a new intake of students. So you always got a good stream of players coming in. Uh, and in IT Carlo, uh, the, the college invested heavily in the, both the sports facilities and all the people involved coaching the teams. Uh, have every support available from them in relation to physios and buses to games and obviously really good facilities that we're able to train and play on. Um, and over the last sort of 10, 12 years, you know, Carlo has, has had a lot of success both for the men's and women's team. But I suppose the challenge is, is, is keeping that success coming because a lot of the colleges, universities are really working hard on their teams as well. Uh, so I think Carlo are doing well to compete uh, as regularly as they do. And obviously with the new sports round coming to fruition as well, it's uh, only going to attract the top people. And then when they have a course to complement the things that they love, it'll all go hand in hand. And no doubt it'll be a benefit then for the FAI and the future of Irish soccer going forward now that we have these things in place. And have you been seeing the benefits over your 11-year tenure? Have you been seeing uh, the likes of coaches going on to different things? I know some of them have went to Carlo Kilkenny FC and that's been established in the past few years. But have you have we been reaping the benefits from a nationwide perspective of these type of courses? Uh, I think so. I think if you look at a lot of our graduates, they're not just coaching in Carlo Kilkenny. Um, we would have had graduates probably at 10 to 15 different Women's National League or League of Ireland clubs at this stage. Uh, I saw Dundalk recently announced the number of our former students are going to be part of the League of Ireland underage setup. Um, and I suppose the nature of the course is that we, we have attracted students from all over the country um, and when they do sort of finish their course and they, they move back to where the 
they probably originally came from, they are a lot of them are getting involved in the the League of Ireland underage setup, and I would certainly hope for years to come um, we will see some of our former students and graduates, you know, working at the top levels of football, both in the women's and the men's game in Ireland. And speaking of when you talked about the turnover of uh, over 30% of people and we're talking about your tenure there of 11 years, it's now time uh, to move on. It was a decision I'm sure that you didn't take lightly, but you're going on to work with the FAI. What does uh, the new job involve and has it been hard to kind of say goodbye to Carlo IT or will there still be some type of interaction? Yeah, no, it was, it was hard. 11 and a half years is a long time to be in any job, but it's a job I really enjoyed. Um, the FBI has, has gone through a period of restructuring over the last 18 months and as a result a number of new jobs did come available and uh, my new role will be in the League of Ireland department as the education development manager um, so the main thrust of my role would be to help um, professional and amateur players in Ireland pursue a dual career pathway so um, helping put resources in place and relationships with colleges universities to, to help footballers uh, access um, education at, at every stage of of their development as a player, whether they're 18 years old and they've just finished their leaving cert, or if they're professional players and they're looking to do some distance learning or evening courses. Um, that would be the main thrust of my my new role. So it's something that I'm looking forward to. I I find that something that uh, very uh, important because when you look at say the college system over in the US where not a lot of people go professional until after they finish their college courses because they have something to fall back on. In soccer it's completely different. I was reading, a, there was a Liverpool scout there talking recently about uh, how from about 14 to 16 they probably know if the player is going to go on to be professional or, and then after that then it's really down to that player but after a while they could get cast aside or they could end up losing and then they've missed out on say from an Irish perspective on doing their leaving search or anything like that that so I always found it fascinating the way the two different systems work so to hear that there's going to be something in place in the League of Ireland in terms of professional development just in case an injury occurs or something doesn't particularly work out it's quite important I believe No absolutely I think that's the main idea behind it is that from an early age you have to plant the seed about how important education is now obviously most people were playing League of Ireland underage or Women's National League underage, they may have aspirations of being a professional, um, but it is important that right from an early age that you give them that message that, you know, put as much time and effort into your football as you can, but also show the same sort of interest and dedication to to your education. Um, And as we develop and as we sort of speak to the clubs and find out what supports they need, um, hopefully we'll we'll develop an overall strategy that that supports these players. you know, some of them are all going to be coming with different academic backgrounds and abilities, and it's about identifying how we can help each individual uh, rather than, you know, there's, there's no one-size-fits-all when it comes to education. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what comes in particular in the terms of League of Ireland, and we know with the 3.2 million that has been backed as well to go towards that, uh, we should be expecting something uh, a lot more positive coming out in the, in the next uh, few months. We know that it's rarely getting to be seen by a lot of people, uh, but it's great to hear that these things have been put in place and been implemented. Uh, so thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us today, Luke, and best of luck in the new job, and I'm sure Carlo IT will be sharing those sentiments as well, albeit missing you at the same time. Jane, thanks very much for your time. that's it for this edition of Scoreline Extra don't forget you can catch the live show every Saturday and Sunday from 2pm with Scoreline Extra available in your favourite podcast app every Monday morning for the latest in sport from Kilkenny, Carlo and beyond across the week check out scoreline.ie or follow Scoreline Sport on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and if you can't get enough of your sport be sure to check out our other podcasts including the Clash Act our GAA podcast all things MMA and the Football Manager Football Show all streaming from scoreline.ie or wherever you do your podcast listening.